Welcome, change agents. I'm so glad you're here. This is Cheryl Klein, and you're listening to the Limitless Leader Podcast. All right, today is a very special day. Uh, it's not very often that I get to interview a influencer in her industry, um, really a change agent, but also a friend. So it is. A really special day, and I'm really excited to be here with Debbie Meeks. Debbie, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm very happy to be here. And one thing that I'm really excited to talk to you about is your efforts. I mean, the efforts at Shell and your efforts through um, through Cal State Long Beach to increase the number of women who are in engineering. And so I'm excited to talk to you about that and the concrete things, not just that you're doing, but then others can duplicate to really make sure that more women get into engineering, more women stay in engineering, and also not just more women, but also um, men as well and male allies. But before we jump into that, uh, if you don't mind, I would like to understand since there's a lot of industries, if not most industries are male dominated, but you're in the oil industry. So it seems like if one could kind of edge out the rest that the oil industry might, and there's a lot of amazing men in the oil industry, but it was probably challenging when you got in and maybe it is now. So can you describe a little bit about what either inspired you to greatness or what was maybe challenging that you really rose to the challenge and what made you resilient to kind of survive the ascent and end up with all the success that you have recently? Well, thank you for the question. I, I hope I don't disappoint with the answer. Um, I think, you know, I have to look back at quite a few years ago when I was in my 20s. And, you know, I have always enjoyed the things that men enjoyed doing. And that's how come I ended up in engineering. I loved investigating and you know, not necessarily building things. I wasn't necessarily a builder, but I was intrigued by how things worked and just fascinated to learn. So early in my career, I started in an oil refinery. And to me, when I interviewed for that job and they took me on a tour, I was, and we were driving around. I remember thinking, this is like Disneyland. Like they might pay me to work at Disneyland. So I just had a lot of enthusiasm for being in that environment. And, you know, I never really saw myself as being different from everybody else. Um, I, I always just figured that, you know, we are all learning together and we're all doing the best we can. So it never, I never really separated myself from the men or the, the few women that were working and hired on about my time. Um, it was really only as time went on and, you know, I moved different companies and I actually left California and moved to Texas. And, you know, as you started wanting to go up the ladder, you did realize that, you know, I don't know that we're being, I'm being treated quite the same as the guys, you know, there was, of course, you're going back now 30 years, I hate to admit. Um, but, you know, this was the day and age when people went out and, and especially I was in a uh, sales 
environment. I was a technical engineer. But at the time, people would go out, the sales team would take people out to topless bars, right? And I wasn't going to have anything to do with that. So clearly, there was a separation of like what they did versus what I might be interested in. And you did start becoming more aware. But at the same time, I knew I was confident that I wanted to to have I had certain aspirations and that's what I wanted to do and I just kept working toward it and you just didn't let that hold you back. I mean people had different interests and maybe the way men approached things was different than the way I approached it but I just didn't try to draw that line and make that separation. I realized I needed to fit in to the the group. I had to be part of and accepted or you'd be isolated and you never wanted to be, feel isolated. So I think it was just fundamentally who I am and and that's how I approached work. And I think that it you did have to have a thick skin. You had to let a lot roll off you. But I just think that's also the industry. You know, that's anybody going into the oil industry, certainly 30 years ago, you 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 had to let a lot of things roll off you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, definitely for sure. And so did you ever feel blocked? Like, <clears throat> excuse me, like you were trying to do this, but it was, you know, was there a challenge that came up? And if so, how did you kind of maneuver around it? Um, yeah, sure. There, there were definitely challenges. And the further I got in my career and the higher my aspirations got, the more you know, it became difficult. I mean, I would say that, you know, particularly, you know, a lot of the men that I worked with, they weren't actually trying to be oppressive. They actually thought they were being helpful. Like they actually would say things like, you don't want to take this role because you have a family at home. And, you know, realizing now you just wouldn't do that. You wouldn't limit somebody based on, you know, whether or not they're a mom or a dad. Um, So you kind of had to fight that. You definitely had to deal with, you know, there's just certain people that couldn't get over that mentality. And so you really had to start looking for those managers, those people at higher levels who were open to um, different ways of looking at things. And you, you just had to look for people who were supportive. Yeah. So what it sounds like is you are very strategic. So in other words, it might be a good message for people listening that if they're not feeling supported or they're feeling like they're blocked or they're, they're trying to do the right thing, but it's not working to maybe um, to seek out and be very strategic about what they need and who might be able to support them. I think that's a, a really good way to capture it. Absolutely. Okay. And so, of course, we have to talk about mindset. When you think about, you know, your career, you know, the last, you know, this time span of your career, what mindset allowed you to really survive the ascent to, you know, just getting started in the oil and gas industry to making it to where you have today? I would say the biggest mindset is what we capture at Shell is the learner mindset. I think that that's intuitive just as an engineer, you really want to learn. 
Um, and so asking questions, you know, when you don't know, when you're you're in a conversation and or in a meeting and you really don't understand maybe a side topic that came up, going and exploring that and getting a bigger picture. Because by doing that, you broaden your horizons and you also start seeing things a little differently than you had before. And I would say that what was what's really helpful with that learner mindset, and this is something that you enforced, Cheryl, is that when you're challenged, I for me, my tendency was to back away and to become very um, defensive. And what's really important is that when people challenge you, they're actually really interested. And so to lean in and actually ask questions and try to understand where people come from. So I would say that is still very important, something that I always work on and try to be very cognizant of and think about when I go into difficult situations and difficult conversations. Yeah, I think having that um, that feedback and knowing how to process the emotion of it and look at it from someone else's point of view and like you said, learn the tools to lean into it rather than step back and either be angry or upset or, you know, disappointed. And it's not easy to do, as I'm sure you'll agree, but that has, that has really, um, that's really a golden gem for people to lean into. And imagine what it would be like if you started your career knowing that. Oh, yeah, it would have made a lot of difference. It, it, I think it's really, really important. And it takes, I think it's a lifetime of work to to get better at it all the time. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it just takes a pause too. I mean, if people listening, okay. well, I don't know how to do that. And, you know, um, they just, when you hear something and feel triggered just to take a breath and take a pause and kind of observe what's happening rather than uh, rather than absorb it. I like to think of, um, you know, if someone gives you a piece of chocolate cake, you can eat it or you can set it on the table. So if someone says something to you that's not sitting right or you perceive as negative, you can tend, you can absorb it or you can receive it and set it aside so you can think about it for a moment. So that's a really important uh, to bring up. I like that. I like that analogy. I had thought about that. Yeah, I, it works with, you know, teenage kids as well, I've learned. So <laughs> um, so so going forward, is there some, you know, advice, like golden nuggets of wisdom that you can share that has really allowed you not just to ascend kind of a corporate ladder, but also to have such a big impact in your area of expertise? Um, I would say, you know, it it took me a long time to really figure out who and what my brand was, you know, and and now I can even use those words brand. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't really appreciate that as a young engineer, like, you know, how do I define myself? And, you know, what am I? And, you know, even now, you know, I can forget, right? I actually have to look and reread what it is that defines who I am. And just in a nutshell, I describe myself as having, as being a stool with four legs. And 
one of those legs is are my relationships, my family. One of those legs is my health and my physical well-being, whether or not I'm exercising. One of those is my faith. And then the fourth leg of my stool is my profession and my career and am I learning and growing. And the healthier each of those legs are, the healthier I am as a person. And one of those legs can be out of balance and I can still be pretty stable on three legs. But, you know, take two or three or, you know, God help me all four out from under me and my, I'm down on the ground and I'm having to rebuild those legs. And I think that it's been really important. There are times that we pursue things, whether it's professionally or, you know, maybe we're, we're, you know, spending way too much time with our friends and not focused on our career or, you know, you're just out of balance. You're not managing your whole being. And to me, that's been a really important element of, I would say, growing up <laughs> and, and remembering who I am and what it means to be Debbie Meeks. Yeah, and that's true. We've had a lot of conversations about um, holistic high performance and why that's important. And it's especially important for, well, it's important for everyone, but I don't think it's on the mind of emerging leaders because they're doing, trying to do all the things and, and trying to, you know, figure their way through the best way to raise a family, the best way to advance through their career and all this. And um, I think that you are spot on that if you are a stool or in my case, in, you know, my book, it's three buckets. So whether they're buckets or stools or what have you, um, you want to make sure that you don't deplete one, kick one out from under you completely. So that's incredibly important. So thanks for that reminder. And then can you share a little bit about something really amazing that Cal State Long Beach is doing to really put their money where the mouth is? And it was really something that was very grassroots that you helped start and that you're really starting to see some results as far as getting women in engineering and increasing those numbers. Yes. So um, we are a steering committee. We call ourselves 100 Women Strong. And we are working with the College of Engineering at Cal State Long Beach. Um, as Cheryl mentioned, we are trying to um, increase the number of engineers in engineering across. I mean, we are specifically looking at Long Beach State. But across the U.S., there are 20% of female engineers in the engineering programs. And we would love to see that number increase. Um, so our goal is to get 25% women in the engineering program at Cal State Long Beach by 2025. And we're, I may have mentioned we're a group of alumni. So we have a vested interest in the school. We're all professionals and we are coming back together and we brainstorm. We have a, a relative template that we started with, but we're basically launched this in 2019. COVID kind of slowed us down a little bit, but we had our first workshop um, in March in March of this year. 
and we were able to bring students together virtually. And um, in addition to having a keynote speaker, we also had uh, these counseling circles or um, mentoring circles where we had different topics of conversation, whether it was networking or how important it is to have a mentor. So we've been able to start the dialogue with the students. And now in the fall, we look forward to really progressing our work and getting students internships, making sure that they are ready to get internships and ready to get jobs out in the industry. So um, we have quite a bit more work to do and it is a bit of work in progress, but it's a lot of fun. And I feel like we've finally gotten some traction. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. So congratulations for just kind of seeing, a, not a problem, but seeing an area of um, an opportunity and really putting it together and going for it. So if someone listening is thinking that's a great idea, but it seems kind of big and overwhelming, what would be the first step to get something started like that in another school? I'm glad you asked, um, because we would love to be the leaders in this space. Um, this is something that Cal State Long Beach is really embracing. And we we want to be the school that women look to when they're thinking of going into engineering. So first, we'd be happy to to advise and another school of what we've done. But it was really simple. It was bringing together a relatively small group of us. I would say maybe eight to 10 alumni ranging across different engineering um, disciplines. So we came with different perspectives, different ideas, and we had to settle on what our purpose was. And it is funny, it takes time, right? To make sure that you define and clearly define what that purpose is. Um, and then once we did that, it was really a matter of how do we reach out to the students I mean, they're busy, they're swamped, right? Many of these students not only go to school, but they have jobs as well. And so we don't wanna take a lot of time and we wanna make sure that the time we do take is valuable. So that's where we started with a workshop. It was, you know, because it was virtual, we did it for, I think it was two hours. It was very succinct and we did get really good feedback from that. And so this idea of where we're carrying this forward now with um, additional workshops where we focus on, you know, how do you land a job? How do you write a resume? What kind of, what does it look like for an interview? You know, we wanna be able to help people on that path. And how do you decide what internship to go for? There's just a lot of areas that we can break down and have, you know, small groups with one or two of us alumni helping. And also, I don't want to forget that we also have the professors involved and the faculty, which have been absolutely incredible and very, very important in this process because they know the students. We've been removed for a long time, but they know the students and what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it seems like then first step might be to get some folks together from your university in your major or discipline. Right. And maybe at some point there'll be a template or, you know, you'll create things as you go along to kind of share. Right, right. 
Yeah. So there's also, I also wanted to touch base on something really interesting that Shell is doing that in all that I've heard about mentoring and having sponsors and this and that, we were talking about it before we came on. It was something really unique about mentoring that I hadn't heard of before. And can you share a little bit about that? Yes, I'm happy to. I am very happy to be a mentor in this new world that we call reverse mentoring at Shell. We started this year and we we pair up somebody with some some experience, some level of experience with somebody younger in the organization. But that younger person has a more diverse background. So they might be Hispanic or African-American or, you know, a myriad of different cultures that that we may not have in our background. And the purpose is that we're both mentees. So I'm learning about my mentor and his background and where he's come from and his journey. Well, he's learning from me how to develop some skills that he wants to to acquire and ultimately how he might be able to land a job that's different from where he's currently sitting. So it's really a great opportunity to to learn and to really meet people not just as professionals but as real people and where their their hearts and minds are at and where they've come from and and what influences them. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like it really helps to humanize employees yes. rather than think, okay, you're here, we need to get you to here as like a business unit, you know, or like a, I don't know how to describe it, but you're like, oh, you get to know them as a human being and a little more like we were talking about a little more three-dimensional rather than two-dimensional. And um, so it sounds like mutual mentoring rather than reverse mentoring almost that you're mentoring each other. Yes, I would. I mean, we call it reverse mentoring, but I would definitely say it's mutual mentoring for sure. So that is really great. And I, I think that that might be really useful or I'm sure it'll be really useful when it comes to the diversity, equity, inclusion space, because a lot of times, at least what I've been learning is I've, you know, had the honor of working with some leaders in a space is that it's it's hard for us to understand perspective of other people we're looking through our own lens and interpreting things in our own way and i think if we can develop some more you know compassion and understanding with each other uh, we're going to help each other out more and really have a more diverse, but also just as important, a more inclusive workplace. I agree. I absolutely agree. I think it's really important. And this comes back to that learner mindset, right? Doesn't it? I mean, that's, you have to be inquisitive. Um, it's not just about the, the job or, you know, the career path. It really is about people. And if we don't take the time to learn where people are coming from, um, we'll never appreciate that different perspective. I mean, we, we might have a tendency to shut people down because we just don't understand where they're coming from. And that's exactly what we're all trying to get better at now. You know, our awareness is, is there and we need to be working on that. 
I agree. I agree 100%. And Debbie, thank you so much for your time and sharing about all of the amazing things that you're doing at Shell. And I would imagine that if we can get to know each other better and through things that helps lead through change. And I know Shell is going through a lot of change just because you know they are very strategic and going along with the times and all of that. So before we sign off, can you mention one way that, you know, you as a leader have managed to do a great job leading during, you know, times of change or disruption? I would say the most important thing, I think the higher the stress level, certainly through change is probably the highest stress level there is, the more important it is to communicate. And the more important it is to reach out, um, even if it's just updating people on what's going on and connecting with them and letting them know, letting people voice what's on their mind um, so that you can talk. Because just using your words and communicating, it really takes the tension down a lot. And the more we can communicate, and I know everyone's so busy and it's hard to find that time, but I think that if you believe that people are uh, the most important asset, then you have to communicate and you have to continue to work on that. And even if you just find 15 minutes every other day to reach out to somebody, it, it makes a difference. And, and I would say that's, that's my takeaway. That is so important. So just to summarize, it is communicating and making sure, especially dur during times of extreme change or disruption, which in turn can be times of stress to really pause and make the time to connect and communicate. So Debbie Meeks, thank you so much for being on the Limitless Leader Live show. Thank you for being an amazing friend. I admire you as a leader and I can't wait to keep following you as your success continues. Thank you so much, Cheryl. See you soon. Okay, you too.